Psalm 27. Let's go to Psalm 27. We've been making our way through uh, through the Psalms uh, during the summertime, and uh, it's been it's been a, a, a fun thing. I've really enjoyed that. I hope you have as well. Um, today we are in Psalm 27. We'll we'll uh, tackle the, the entire Psalm, and uh, and today we're we're looking at um, how we can overcome fear. Overcoming fear is the title of today's message. Uh, as we look at David and how he cries out to God, uh, we'll see that today. Uh, I, I want you to understand that uh, it's interesting. The most commonly reported emotion felt by, specifically the target group was the 18 to 35-year-olds, right? This young adult, the millennials, right? The, the most commonly felt emotion. Now, I, I know that even given that age range, maybe it's a little more common in them, but for the rest of us that are out of that age range, I know it's still common to us as well. But the most commonly felt or reported emotions were these three, anxiety about important decisions, that was one, uh, uncertainty or fear of the future, and then fear of failure. Those were the top three emotions reported by that age group. And I think that we can all resonate with those things and understand like, you know, fear does creep in. There's anxiety that creeps in and, and worry that creeps into our lives. And, and what do we do with that? What are we to do with the, with the day-to-day things that go on in the world? What are we to do with the things that, the circumstances that make us worry in this life? And, uh, and David, I think, has some great things to say. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll read the entire passage and then break it down into its little components, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace, for your mercy. God, we ask now that as we open your word that you would open our hearts to be receptive and, your, and our hearts to be receptive, and God, that our eyes would see, our ears would hear from you. God, our desire is to learn from you. God, to convict us of sin and, and God, to move us into a place of repentant, obedient faith and faithfulness in our lives. God, help our faith and our works come together. And God, as we look today, as, as we look at our own fears or insecurities that we have, may you, may you give us some tools, some practical guidance in the scripture of how to deal with those things. And God, as we look to go to the Lord's table today, God, I pray that we would never approach the Lord's table with fear, but with hope and joy and thanksgiving because of what you have accomplished for us. May you be lifted up, we pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're in Psalm 27, and I'm going to read the entire chapter. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, or the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys around me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. For He will conceal me in His shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of His tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in His tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. 
Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord. Lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. So today we're going to look at overcoming fear. We're going to break this, this chapter into, into four different sections to kind of see what David was, was uh, dealing with and, and how he dealt with those fears. So overcoming fear, number one is this. We remember God's salvation. We remember God's salvation. And, and listen, remembering, if you want to put a sub-note on your, your bulletin or your notes there, remembering leads us to confidence. It's very important to understand that. Look how he started this. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Right? This, is a, this is a guy who is, is constantly preaching to himself, and it's going to be kind of the theme of today's message, that we are to preach to ourselves. If we're to remember God's salvation, we have to preach it to ourselves. We say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We remember that. He, he's the one who saved me. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? It's God who is the light. And, and we need to live in light of eternity, not in light of the temporal things around us. David was encompassed all around. And, and although he is crying out for rescue at times and crying out for God to defeat his adversaries physically right there so he has a win, ultimately he knows and his confidence is in the hope of God and what God is going to provide for him. And that confidence is not always stuck in the temporary or the, or the temporal or the circumstantial things of life. That hope is firmly placed in the eternity of God that God has secured for David and all of those who believe. Look what he says in verse 2. This is where he starts to remember. He, he, he said, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, so this is the past, right? When they came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. He's remembering that God provided, God stepped in, that God did save the, save the day. God did win in the end. And, and David felt that. He, he remembered that. He said, though an army deploys around me. So what is this progression? So there's this remembrance. He remembered how, who God is. He's this rescuer. He's the savior. He's the one that gives salvation and light. He's a stronghold. He remembers that. And what does it lead to? Confidence. He says in verse 3, though an army deploys around me, my heart will not be afraid. My heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. Listen, I don't know what war has broken out against you lately. I mean, I know the wars that break out against me. And it's not always fun, is it? It's, it's tough when those wars break out, when those, when those things come against you, when the anxiety creeps in, when fear steps in, and when stress comes in. Whatever war has broken out against you, God is bigger than that war. God is the one who is ready to rescue. God's the one who's ready to be a stronghold. God is the one who has done it, by the way, time and time again. So we're to remember that. We've got to think back. You know, a long time ago someone said, Brandon, one of the greatest things you could do is journal, like pray and journal. I've never done it, right? I, it's, it's so much work, and I'm not that kind of a writer, right? But some people do that, and it's amazing because they have these stacks and stacks and stacks of sermon notes and journaling and sermon notes and prayers and journaling, and they can go back to that and say, oh, wow. Look what God has done. Look how God has provided. They can see how God has answered their prayers uh, in so many different ways for their benefit. So there's a confidence that we can have. I would, I would encourage you, if you are a journal or journal, see, watch, go back and remember. Otherwise, go back and really think about it. Maybe ask a friend and ask a family member. 
what are the ways God has provided? What are the ways that God has worked in our lives? How have we seen God come through for us? Now, now I want to I go to the most basic way because we may not have a ton of stories of victory in life in general. Like I got straight A's last week or I, I, I didn't get fired that week. Or it, You might have those stories, you might not. I guess if you're still working, you didn't get fired last week, so good job on you. But the real thing, the most simple thing that we look back to is, I once was lost, but now I'm found. You see, what we know about ourselves from the Word of God is that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's glory, right? Every one of us is, has made mistakes. Every one of us has separated ourselves from God because of our sin. And God is holy and perfect and pure, and God can't be around that. So that's why we're separated from him. We saw it in the Garden of Eden with the first two people he created, right? They walked in the presence of God. They, they lived in harmony with God. They lived not only in harmony with God and fellowship with God personally, they also were immortal. They would not die. And as soon as they sinned, and as soon as sin entered the world, death entered the world, their bodies now began to decay and they would die. And then because of their sin, they were, they were banished from the presence of God because God could not tolerate sin. But God made a way. He said, I, I, I've got to deal with this because I, I created you to be with me. I want you to be with me. I want you to be the objects of my love. And I will be the object of your worship. So what did God do? He made a way by sending his son Jesus. Because the wages of sin is death and separation. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus came to be the rescuer, to be the savior. While we were lost, while we were afraid, while we were without hope, Christ died for you. Christ died for me. He, he died on a, on a cross that I deserved to die on. And he bled in my place. And then he went into the grave. And, and because he's God, he did not stay dead. He conquered death. And, and the promise in Scripture is that for you and I who believe in him, who would turn and trust in him alone, we would be saved. That we would be forgiven. We would be made whole again. And see, that's a rescue that every single person needs. And when we have been rescued from the wages of our sin, from the penalty of our sin, there is no greater victory we could ever have. I've, I've argued with people before that about miracles and things that are going on. I said the greatest miracle ever was that Jesus turned this stubborn, hard heart into flesh and helped me believe and trust in him. The greatest miracle of all is that God forgave my sins and now I am righteous because of him. That's the greatest miracle I've ever known. And for you and for me, that, that's what we should remember. God has saved us. God has, God has made a way for us to be with him forever. This world may never get better. Our circumstances may never change. Our foes, our enemies that are actual physical circumstances may overwhelm us time and time again. But at the end of the day, at the end of this mortal life, we have hope and security because this life's not over for us. Christ has accomplished everything for us. So there is a salvation to be, to be remembered. Isaiah says this, Look up to the heavens and look to the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like a smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. So we, we, again, we, we put a lot of stock in this earth, in this life, in this time, in this physical, uh, the physical things around us. But it says it's going to wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die like gnats. But God says, he says, my salvation will last forever and my righteousness will never be shattered. Amen. That's, that's an amazing thing. Like That's the salvation we're, we're to remember, is God's salvation. Although everything else fades away, His salvation does not. His righteousness will never be shattered. He said, listen to me. You who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my instruction, do not fear disgrace by men. So here it is. Don't fear, right? Remember salvation. And do not be shattered by their taunts. For moth will devour them like a garment, and worms will eat them like wool. But my righteousness 
will last forever and my salvation for all generations. When we come to this place of fear in our lives, we need to understand that, that most of the time it's a, it's a circumstantial thing that's bringing up fear. And oftentimes, it's something we can't control. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes we can change our attitude, we can change our actions and, and you know, do something else. If you continually get a speeding ticket, maybe you should stop speeding, right? And not be worried every time you drive down the freeway, just go the speed limit. But there are a lot of things in our life that we can't control, and it's just, it's based on what other people do and, and, and the circumstances of, of nature, right? We, can't, we might need to be ready to evacuate from a fire zone, right? It's just part of life, a stress part of life. We can't control those things. We can be prepared for those things. But, but we need to understand that in this life, everything can and everything will be stripped away from us. You are not going to take one single thing with you to heaven. Nay, there is one thing you can take to heaven, other people. It's so important once you have understood salvation and understand that, that, that there is a need for us to repent of our sin and to believe in Christ, and that when we do, he, he wraps us in a robe of his righteousness and makes us clean so we can stand before God with a clean standing. That is offered to anyone who will believe. So I can't take my car, I can't take my boat, I can't take my, I can't, I can't take my stuff, my money. It means nothing. It's going to be stripped away from me. But I can, I can hope to take my kids. I can hope to take you. I can hope to take my neighbors. I can hope to share Christ with them that they might believe and be saved as well. But everything can and will be stripped away except the righteousness of God given to us by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's so important for us to remember our salvation. Uh, and there's this seal that God has, has placed on our hearts through belief by the Holy Spirit. He says in, uh, in Ephesians 1, in Him, it's Jesus, you were also sealed with a promised Holy Spirit, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believe. So we heard the word of truth preached, we, we, we heard the word of God preached, and then we believed from our heart. And when we did that, he saved us. He washed our sin away, and he, he sealed us, it says. And the Holy Spirit is now the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. When we come to faith in Christ, it's not about how well we can handle that faith and how, how, how well we can hold on to Jesus. When we come to faith in Christ, genuine faith in Christ, when he closes us with his righteousness, he's the one who seals that deal. So when fears creep in, remember God's salvation. Number two, we talk about overcoming fear. The next thing David goes into is abiding and resting in Christ, that we would abide and rest in Christ. So we'll go back to Psalm 27. We'll look at verses 4 through 6 together. He says, I've asked one thing from the Lord. This is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. David's saying, I want to be with God. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to abide in Him. I want to be instructed by Him. I want everything I do to reflect Him. That's, that's, well, for me, it's, it goes this way. I, like to, I love to read the Word of God. I love to study the Word of God. I love to put uh, Christian music uh, on, on at my house, and not just any Christian music, good Christian music, biblical Christian music. I love to play that through our house, right? We're, we're cleaning the house. We're, we're playing Christian music. Sometimes we just get up and we turn that on, and it's, it's, it's just resonating. When I get in a car, the radio station's set to a, a Christian music channel, or I have a Pandora a station or a Spotify station to listen to. I, I want I want it to be everything. I want it to soak in because I want to abide in the presence of God. I want to dwell in the presence of God. I want that. To, see, when I get out of my car and walk into the bank, I may not be dwelling in the presence of God there. When I get out of the car and walk into the hardware store, I may not be dwelling in the presence of God there. But I just was. And that's what's going to in, uh, affect my attitude and my relationships and, and, and how I react and interact with the people around me. 
David knew that. I, I, I want to abide there. Why, what's so important about abiding there? He goes on, verse 5. When I abide there, he says, For he, God, will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. He says, Then my head will be high above my enemies around me, and I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. See, here's what happens. When we abide in God, when we, rest in, we find rest in Him, right? When we abide in Him and dwell in His presence, we find rest there. Rest from those anxieties. Rest from those fears. Rest from the, the I didn't live up to the standard. All of the, all of the accusations from the enemy, the lies that we believe. We find rest. See, David found rest. He said, I, I, one thing I want to be is just in your presence. I want to be with you more and more and more. Because the more I'm alone with my own thoughts, the worse it gets. You ever experienced that? The more you're alone with your own thoughts, the more you, you're left to your own devices, how we mess things up so deeply. But when we're with God, when we abide with God, we find the rest and security we need. And listen, as we approach the Lord's table today, that's exactly what this represents, right? You, you and I could not find rest and security anywhere else aside from Christ. Our lives are messes. But Jesus is the one who has come and cleaned them up. So we don't come to church saying, look how put together I am, look how great things are going, look at how I've, I've marked A, B, and C, and I'm just awesome. We come here saying, thank you, Jesus, for being awesome, because I'm not. Thank you for being the one that, that died in my place, because, man, I know, I know I deserved it, but you did it. Thank you that you, when I believed, when I trusted in you through faith, that you, you forgave me of my sin, that you took the mess that I was and you made it clean that you wrap me in your righteousness. Now I stand in right standing before God because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. You see, we have these fears and anxieties. We lay them down. We don't come before the Lord's table in fear. We don't come in fear, but we also don't come in pride saying, look how great I am. We come, as we approach the Lord's table today, we come boasting about Jesus, thanking him for what he has accomplished, getting our heart aligned there and saying, Lord, it's all about you. Everything can and will be stripped away except for my salvation in you because I believed. And we thank you for that. Thank you that, that I can abide in you. And when I abide in you, I find rest. And it's like you place me on a rock high above my enemies that I'm, I'm there in a place of solid standing because I'm in your presence. I'm with you. Listen, you and I can't find solid footing anywhere on our own. We might think we can, but it will fall. It will fail. We talked about that last week, the idea of a man building a house on the sand, right? We, we tend to like to build the foundation we build our house on. Because we do that in construction, right? We do that here. We build the foundation, and we, pour the, we, well, we make sure the, the ground is compacted, and it's the right base, and then we put rebar down, and we, we pour concrete, and it's a nice, solid foundation. Then we stick frame our house on top of it, and it's solid. We, we tend to do that with our life, too. I, I want to build my own foundation on my life, and I'll build it on top. But listen, if you built a foundation, it will crumble one day. It will give out. The only foundation that is sure is Christ's foundation. So when we come to the Lord's table, we say, thank you, Jesus, for your foundation. Thank you, Jesus, that I found rest in you. Thank you, Jesus, that I can even abide in you and dwell in your presence. Thank you that I can come to you for forgiveness that I could never accomplish on my own. Jesus says this in John 15. He says, remain, this idea of abiding in the presence of God. He says, remain in me and I in you. This is the charge to you and I, just to remain in him. Uh, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. If you want to see fruit in your life, if you want to see, and part of the fruit is to be fearless, right? That's a fruit that's produced. It's less fear in our life. How do we do that? Well, we abide. Unless you remain in me, you won't produce a fruit. I'm the vine, 
He says, and you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. But, this is, and this is so important, you can do nothing without me. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can try and try and try, but fear will just well up inside of us. Anxiety will just well up inside of us. There's nothing that can be accomplished on our own. It has to be in him and with him. Apart from him, we should be afraid. See, the fruit here that is produced is, is only produced when we remain in him and when we can rest in him. I, I go back to Psalm 23 all the time. I love this psalm. This is, this is a psalm we covered last, actually it was about a year ago. August, August 11th, 2020, we started Psalm 23. We went through six weeks of Psalm 23, and I would encourage you, if you're still struggling with fear, if you're still struggling with the valley of the shadow of death, go to our podcast, go to our website, um, go back and re-listen to that series. It's just, it, was a, it was a profound series for me, and it was, was for our church as well, but I'm going to read the verse. So the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. This is abiding in him, right? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Right? Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, there it is, dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You see, there's safety for us sheep with the shepherd. And if we're dwelling there, he, he will lead us. We will, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's guaranteed. But what's the other promise? That he is with us and we will fear no evil because he is with us. Psalm 46, this idea of remaining in him and resting in it, it really concludes this. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Selah. Remember what Selah is there for? Anyone remember that? What, what does that mean? Rests, right? Pause. Breathe it in. Think, I, I like this one. Just think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. So let's read it again. Let it sink in. God is our refuge and our strength. A helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Although the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with turmoil. Right? We will not be afraid. Why? Because we can remain in Him. And when we, when we remain in Him, we rest and find rest in Him. That's how we overcome fear. Back in Psalm 27, number three, overcoming fear. You want to overcome fear? Seek God's grace. Seek God's grace. Let's look at Psalm 27, 7 through 10. It says, Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or, or abandon me, God of my salvation. If my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Now, let's just look at this. I'm going to break this down a little more. Uh, there's some, some 
descriptive words here that really describe, I think, God's graciousness. He prays, God, be gracious to me, right? So he's seeking God's grace. He wants God's graciousness to be evident. So let's look at a few things here that, that he says that, that would be attributed to God's grace. First off, he hears my voice, right? Lord, hear my voice. I can pray to God. Now listen, I, I, there's a big difference between God hearing our voice and God answering our prayer, right? We, we like to say, God, answer my prayer the way I wanted it answered. That's what we tell God, right? But there's a big difference between that, which we don't need, and knowing that he listens, that he listens when I call, that he hears my voice. That is a grace to us. And then what, what our job is to do is say, okay, God, you've heard my voice. You've heard my plea. You've heard my cry. You know my heart. I know you've heard. So I'm going to entrust that to you who can make a better decision than I ever could make on my own. Right? So he says uh, that he hears my voice. He answers me. He even answers. Not always yes, not always no, sometimes later, right? But he answers in his time and in his way. He says, uh, don't, you're not going to hide your face from me. You're, you, that's, that's a means of grace. You're not going to turn your servant away in anger, even though you have a right to turn me away in anger. He says, you've been my helper. There's, there's help there. And he's not going to leave or abandon me, that the Lord cares for me. Those are means of grace from God. So when David is seeking God's grace, he's He's seeking these things that God, only God can provide for him. And that's so important for us to understand. When we talk about fears in our lives, we go to lots of different places to find solutions and answers. It may be another person. It may be a relationship. It may be intimacy. It may be a, a drug or a, um, an alcohol. It might be food. It may be whatever it might be. We can go lots of different places and find lots of different vices for us to overcome or at least kind of squash down the fear and anxiety in our life. What's it say here, though? Seek his grace, right? Seek his face. He's the helper. He's the one that cares for us. We're only going to find that there, and, and, and he's the one that's going to alleviate that. I, I love this middle part here in verse 8. This is where I would tell you, preach to yourself. You've got to preach to yourself, right? When you get in that anxious time, that fearful time, that stressed out time, what do you do? You preach to yourself. You remind yourself, right? What David said, remember. i got to remember this. We remember our salvation. Remember what he's done in the past. Right here he says in verse 8, my heart says this about you. So what's he saying? He's got God, my heart was talking to me. Right? My heart was like beating in my chest saying, hey, remember this. Think about this. And what was that? That's God's Holy Spirit convicting us, right? So, so what's David say? My heart says this about you. So he, his heart is preaching to him. His heart says, seek his face. Seek his face. And anytime we seek God's face, we're seeking that blessing and that grace of God is what we see in the presence here, that his face would shine upon us, that it would be gracious to us and give us peace, right? That's what we see. So he's, he's saying, he's preaching to himself. His heart says, seek God's face. And in doing so, seek his grace. You and I have to preach to ourselves as well. And there's a difference here between feeling God's grace and seeking God's grace. I think a lot of us, we go through issues or problems or time, like, you know, time will make it better, time heals all things, I'll just sit here and wait for God's grace to make me feel better. And, and maybe he'll stir that up sometimes, maybe someone will come into your life and, and speak truth into you, in your life, but, but what, is, what is it here being presented as? What are we actively supposed to do? We're to seek God's grace. We're to run after God's grace. It's there for the taking. We need to go grab it. We tend to think, oh, I'm just going to sit here. I feel really bad and anxious and, and fearful. So I'm going to sit here in this pity party, and eventually God's grace will just shower down, and it will melt us all away. That's not how it works. God's grace is there and available for the taking every moment of every day. So we, we run to it, and, and we let our heart preach to ourselves, go seek his face. 
Go seek Him. Go open the Word. Go turn on a, a song. Go call a Christian friend. Go, go to church. Go, get, go counsel with, a, with a, a teacher, a pastor, or a small group leader, a friend. Go seek that grace. Go seek His face. Go seek to be in His presence. We think, what, like, if I'm all alone, I'm away from everything, it's just going to osmosisly figure itself out. And really what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you is saying, hey, wake up, go seek His face. Go seek Him. So we need to seek God's grace. Why? Why is that so important for us? We said, Psalm 31 says, make, he, he, the prayer, make your face shine on your servant. Save me by your faithful love. There's a, there's a connection between God's face, seeking His face and His face shining, and, and God's faithful love being connected to that. And then we see it in Paul when he writes in, in 2 Corinthians. He writes about the, the need for God's grace, right? And what is His grace good for? Well, God reminded Paul. He said, listen, my grace is sufficient for you for my power, God's power, is perfected in weakness. So we, we seek God's grace because God's grace is what perfects our weakness and what's, His power is, is made stronger in our weakness. For when I am weak, as I seek God's grace, I am what? Strong. But only in Him, not by myself, only in Him. Overcoming fear, we have to seek God's grace. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Listen, when we, when we seek God's grace, it also turns the affections of our heart toward Christ and away from fear. So you know what? You, you conquered all fear. You, your grace is sufficient for me. And that's what we celebrate at the Lord's t- table as well, is that His grace was sufficient for me. His, his power through His grace was made perfect even through my weakness. So when I walk down this aisle, I, I know that by God's grace, when I am weak, I am only strong by that same grace. Number four, overcoming fear. If you want to overcome fear, you have to hope in Christ. Hope in Christ. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. We'll finish out the chapter. He says, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on, lead me on a level path. Because of my adversaries, right? What are, what are my adversaries? Well, David, it was actually people wanting to kill him or, or wanting to usurp his authority and push him out of his leadership role, right? Uh, all around him. What, what are our adversaries? We're talking about them today. You, you're, you're probably identifying what they are. Those fears, right? Those troubles, those difficulties, those circumstances, those difficult people in your life. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord. Which means what? I don't want to seek my way or some way. I want to seek your way, Lord. And, and lead me on a level path. I, I don't know about you. I, I, I've hunted a lot of my life. And I, uh, I know there are times you got to hike a really steep hill, right? And, and I just I look for game trails. I'm like, I want to hike those things. Or I want to, I want to find a skid road because it's just a little bit easier, right? We, we go through life and there's emotions up and down, hills, mountains, peaks all the time. It is so nice when we trust in the Lord, when our hope is in Him, that we can be led on a level path. We can have solid footing on a level path. Life doesn't mean life's easy. It means that life, life is balanced and life is uh, settled on the, on the hope of Christ, on a firm foundation when we have trust in Him. Show me your way, Lord, and lead me on level ground. He says, don't, don't give me over to the will of my foes or, or for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. So that, that's, a, that's a real great picture of difficulty. Right? There's difficulties, but there's also the solution of showing, showing, God showing us His way and leading us on level ground. 
Then he goes to this next place because th- this, this leads to like there's some rough days, right? This, these worries and difficulties could lead to rough days, difficult days. But what's, what's the hope here? Verse 13 and 14. I am what? What's it say? Certain. I am certain. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. So yeah, we may see rough days. We may see bigger fears, deeper fears, or, or even valleys of the shadow of death. But we do not have to fear an evil because He is with us. And, and in that time, because He's with us, we have this hope in Him that I am certain. See, David's words there are, are certainty. It's not like, I really hope He comes through. See, that's not hope. It's not, I really hope He comes through. It's, I am certain. I am certain that He will that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. I've said this too before. This idea of waiting for the Lord is not that sitting back and just, okay, I'll sit back and wait for the Lord. He'll do it. He'll show me everything. this, This literally means I hope in Him. In the meantime, I hope in Him. That my hope is in Him. Again, not I hope it'll happen. My hope is in Him. It's solid in Him because He is good. Because He does have faithful love. That we will see that, and we have seen that. So we hope in Him. Again, we have to preach this to ourselves, though. I love Psalm 42, 5. This is a great verse to preach to yourself. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. That's such a great thing to preach to ourselves. Why are you so dejected? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in so much turmoil? Put your hope in God. Seek His grace, right? Put your hope in God. Psalm 56.3, a great promise. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. This is how we're to come to the table. Our souls are not to be dejected. Our souls are, are forgiven. And we come to the table uh, knowing that when I'm afraid, I, I don't have to be afraid. I will trust in Him. He has accomplished everything. He has given us this treasure of His self inside of me. And I, I want to read this last passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 before we close. It says this. Now we have this treasure. What is this treasure? This is that the, the, the grace of God. This is God living inside of me, right? This is the, the, what sustains me, what forgives me, what, what makes me who I am. We have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from god and not from us that's when we come to the table right because of his extraordinary power not mine we are afflicted in every way but we're not crushed we are perplexed but we are not in despair we are persecuted but not abandoned we are struck down but we are not destroyed we always carry the death of jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. So we, what sustains us, what keeps us strong from everything around us, we're, we're, it says we're clay jars, we're fragile vessels, easily broken. But what we carry inside is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that has led to a saving faith for you and for me. And it's a, not only a saving faith, it's a sustaining faith. He goes on in verse 16, he says, we don't give up. So we don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, that the world's coming against us, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us 
an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. It's so important for us to know that. As we come to the Lord's table, it's not about uh, getting everything, in our, all of our ducks in a row, all the seen things all figured out. It's about those unseen things. It's about that, that sin being forgiven and being made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we come to the table, we, we celebrate the fact that, that all of that's been taken care of and that my, etern, my, my eternal life is secure and that my hope is in Him. The struggle is still real, but my hope is in Him and we hope for Christ. I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to come back up now. And you guys, if you want to grab your, uh, your um, Lord's Supper and take it to your, your spot there, you can do that as well. I'm going to read out of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 um, before we get to the Lord's table today. Again, we're, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper just by, by at will in the next three songs, coming up the aisle and, and finding, finding that time where you're ready and you've, you've set your heart and mind on Jesus. You've set aside your own fear, your own pride, your own ego, and you, you've thought about it for yourself. And then, then you come up at your own pace and line up in the, in the aisle and come up the middle row, if you would, please, and go back down uh, the side if there's, uh, if there's not room. I'd appreciate that. And again, you can participate and partake uh, at any time you're ready uh, once we start singing, okay? So I want to make sure you're aware of that. But Paul, Paul writes this, and uh, I, it's just the instruction for the Lord's Supper. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread, and, and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Such an amazing proclamation that there's nothing else we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that he has conquered it all. That through his death and resurrection, he has paid the price. And through faith in Christ, we have been made right with God. So we come and we honor the Lord and we celebrate the Lord and we thank the Lord for what he's done, but we proclaim that publicly to one another today. Now, as far as instruction goes for you and I, some of you may not be a, a Christian. You may not have put your faith in Christ. So, so I, I'd encourage you and I ask that you watch. You watch and you participate that way. And, and, and because this is, this is something to be done for those who have put their faith in Christ, who's, who, the, who the, the body and blood has paid that penalty for them, and they've embraced that, and they've, they've, they've received that gift of salvation. That means everything to us, but to you it, it doesn't. So watch, and my hope is that it will mean everything to you when you put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. But we will come down and make it a, make it a, a teaching time. Maybe as we sing the songs, uh, you, you would need to pray. Maybe as we sing the songs, you need to just sing and worship. Maybe you need to reflect. But whatever we do in the next, uh, next few minutes, it's, it's a moment of, of response from our heart to Jesus. Responding to him with faith, responding to him with thanksgiving, responding to him with worship, responding to him with repentance, and then responding to him with reflection as we come and participate and partake in the Lord's Supper, remembering him, boasting about him, proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. So would you stand with me as we, we pray and get into worship? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, we ask as we uh, move forward now in this time that you would be present, that you would 
you would be proclaimed, that you would be boasted about, that God, as we come forward to participate in the Lord's table, it's, we don't come out of fear hoping that this will cover everything, God. We come because fear has been alleviated through faith in Christ. We know you have taken care of everything. God, for those who have ex expressed faith in Christ, we are forgiven. We've been made righteous and whole by your body and blood shed for us. So we thank you for that. We ask that you would help us to remember that. And God, this will be a time of celebration and worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.